0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother-Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our
1: first guest today is Kevin Keyliff. And our topic is Finding Resilience to Cope. Kevin has a Master's in Divinity and is an ordained minister, bereaved parent, and spiritual and bereavement counselor. Kevin works for a nationally based hospice helping families deal with grief, anticipatory loss, and recovery. He is the author of the forthcoming book, Spiritual Care to Elderly and Dying Loved Ones. Welcome to the show, Kevin.
0: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: Hi, Kevin.
2: Well, you're down in the South, right?
0: Yes, I am.
2: I was we were just saying, Kevin's in the South, I'm in uh, San Francisco, and Heidi's in New York. Well, Kevin, tell us about a uh, little bit about your journey and uh, about how you got um, to where you are today.
0: sure it It really was some twenty one years ago that I actually um, lost my daughter. Her name was Elizabeth, and uh, she was actually born ten weeks premature. And when she was born, she weighed one pound point five ounces. Mm. And most of her life that she spent was about five and a half weeks. Most of that time, she was in NICU. And there, the doctors and the geneticists and the nurses were all there to really just try to take care of her and comfort her as much as possible. And after a while, the geneticists basically shared information that just... uh, was pretty convincing that my daughter was born with a genetic kind of uh, defect. I don't like to use the word defect, but I don't, don't know a better word for it. But after a while he showed, he, he went ahead and actually kind of just demonstrated some of the signs that just basically showed that we were looking at a short life uh, with my daughter. And so after that, the doctor said, there's nothing really that we can do here that you cannot do at home. And so to make a long story short, um, Elizabeth came home one early evening, and about two hours later, she passed away.
1: Wow. wow, that must have been quite an experience taking her home. And I love the fact, Mom, that, that Kevin was able to take her home.
0: Yeah.
2: absolutely. That sounds like a pretty aware staff that that was able to happen. I, I agree.
0: Yeah, I think they were I think they were fabulous and, and it was really a kind of a hospice experience for me and I say that because I've been doing hospice now for eleven years, but at the time I knew nothing of hospice. But it had the same connotations and it was just really uh it was almost a neat way of closure for me as a parent.
2: Mhm and and kevin what what comes up for me when you're telling me this story is I'm out there, I've just had a child die, and they kept him in the i c u or people weren't as sensitive to that kind of thing. uh We just recently had a woman uh email us who had had um, uh the baby wasn't full term <clears throat> when she delivered it, and the hospital didn't even want to uh, talk to her about getting you know the remains of the you know placenta or whatever that she wanted to cremate so people aren't that sensitive right. what do you what do you have for them out there what if they're angry at their hospital staff or whatever have you got any thoughts about that for them
0: well I think for one thing just off the cuff I would say it's okay to be angry mm-hmm. I think um, coming from my own theoretical orientation as a counselor I am very big on the emotions and expressing the emotions and I know that that sometimes has to shift because of culture, because of maybe religion. But I would think that part of that whole process of feeling the feelings is very important. And I think that's okay to be angry. I think that's a very normal emotion that we will experience. And, and lots of times we don't really know who to get angry at. And we have this invisible idea of God, and we can't meet God. We can't find God often when we go through very, very painful situations. It's like everything is dark. But nevertheless, I find that those emotions are very normal, and I think it's healthy to just normalize them and validate them.
2: You know, don't you think that sometimes when it comes right down to it, the people that you're mad at is yourself because you're thinking, I should have been firmer that mm-hmm. you know I should have said I'm going to do this no matter what cuz you hear people you know do something like that stand out and say well I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it in my own hands but you know what I I really believe the idea that you did the best you could at the time
0: yeah yeah and and, and think-
2: even the staff does the best they can at the time all
0: right And I think of, uh, really, for me, I think of a a time when after she passed away, I was holding her, I was kneeling in front of my bed, and it was dark at this time, and I was trying to keep her body from getting cold. And it was actually really impossible to do because, you know, she had died, and so naturally the body does get cold. But nevertheless, it was a moment where I was able to sing to her. Now, I'm not a good singer, (laughs) but I was able to sing to her a very simple song And that was, if I could change the world for you, I would. And what I was saying as a parent was that, number one, as a caring parent, like any caring parent, I would do anything in the world to make things normal and make things good for you. But the part that I emphasize now is that the last part of the song was, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I was completely helpless, and feeling that helplessness is like feeling trapped, and uh, it's so difficult to be able to kind of express that helplessness. It's like you want to break out of that. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow, Kevin, that's a beautiful story, you singing to your daughter, If I Could Change the World. I love that. Don't you, Mom?
2: Yeah, I do. It's wonderful. Well, Kevin, um, let's talk about Flash Forward, and and talk about your journey after that. You were a religious person at that time?
0: I was. Um, I actually, you know, after the death of Elizabeth, I had some secret questions that began to develop. And I say secret because I was in an environment that was very conservative. Um, my family was conservative. I had gone to a very conservative school. Um, I was in a faith community that was very conservative. And so for a good several years, I was really to myself with some of the theological questions that I was starting to have. And so I say that because I think our environment really influences not only how we understand grief, but how we understand ourselves during that grief. And so for me, especially being uh, in in the ministerial role, it was very difficult for me to truly allow these secret thoughts about God, the self, the world to really express themselves.
1: And, And Kevin, what kind of questions were you having?
0: Well, those questions that I was having was basically, what do I really believe, and Mm -hmm. who is this God that I believe in?
2: Well, Kevin, uh, I wanted to make sure that um, people got your website. Can you tell them what your website is?
0: Sure. It's com, and that's K-E-V-I-N-Q-U-I-L-E-S.
2: And also, he's, uh, your book's going to be published by our good friends, uh, Quality of Life Books in Florida, right?
0: That's correct. In the next few weeks, yes.
2: Okay, it'll be out in the next few weeks, and uh, and they can find out about it on your website too. I'm sure, right?
0: Absolutely.
2: And you can also go to Quality of Life Books. Right. Well, Kevin, when we went to break, we were talking. You were talking about the death of a premature birth of your daughter Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and uh, also about how that you were. Your faith was challenged at that time because you were in a very conservative uh, faith community, and right. uh, you were questioning God when we went to break. And, and Hadi was asking you, "What were those questions?"
0: Right, and and they were they were very simple questions, but they were very profound because when you're dealing with deep values and meaning and purpose, um, it's, it's not a very it, it, it's it's not a light matter. And so for me, I struggled, but I felt that I needed to maintain as a minister. This, this, this status quo that I had things together. And so for, for quite a number of years, those, those, those secret questions remained secret. And it wasn't until I went into what's called clinical pastoral education, which is about, it's a year-long training. I took about two and a half years, but it's a year-long training where you basically look at the spirit from the psyche, if you will, and it was there that I was ex- actually able to find safety or space to be able to allow these questions to surface and to look at them and say, oh, these questions are not bad. They may be an opportunity for growth.
2: You know, I like that idea of safety and space. Heidi, I had something write something down from his yeah, website I, because I really liked you it. You
1: did that uh, after, that Kevin had, while, I think it was while you were grieving, you found a space for, there was a space for critical thinking. Right.
0: Right.
2: You know, Kevin, I think that's really important for our audience to hear that, a space for critical thinking, because there's the before and after. There's before the, your loved one died and then after, and then it's an opportunity, as time goes on, to spend some time thinking about your life, mm-hmm. because if you let it happen, it can be a pretty amazing, life-changing transition that you can go into. Did you find that?
0: I, I did, but it, it wasn't very easy. Um, because when I was so deeply entrenched with my previous theological ideas, to actually shift um, was sometimes anxiety-producing. I went back and forth. Sometimes it was a roller coaster ride. It was very, very difficult, and sometimes it was very lonely. And if you can imagine that at the end stage of where I'm at now, I'm at a complete different place. I have a different attitude towards towards the whole picture of theology. But it's, it's, it's it, I even have a new set of, of an environment, if you will.
2: So tell us about about what your change. You went from a conservative thinking, what, God will take care of everything, or God uh, knows everything, or where did you go from where to where?
0: Well, actually, at, at this point in time of my life, I have a very inclusive spirituality. I was able to find my own voice and to be able to say, what do I really believe and how do I want to relate to God as I understand God as opposed to trying to fit some internalized faith system that's already established and so at this point in time and one of the things that I find a lot of comfort in is that it's actually kind of kind of affected me both both in so many different directions number one I feel very comforted and supported by and uh, the idea of God as I understand God now which is very multi-dimensional and the other thing is how this concept of God, this inclusive spirituality has connected me with people of diverse religions and faiths uh, uh, of any sort of belief
2: so here I am, and uh, wow, this guy was able to really you know make a change in his thought as a result of the traumatic loss of his daughter mm-hmm. and and you know what? What was your main turning point? Do you remember? I mean, if I'm there thinking, how did how did you find find it to to find that resilience to cope with that loss?
0: I, I think again, I, I go back to to my my training uh, with clinical pastoral education because it wasn't just simply um, the reflection of thought. Um, it was. Definitely the reflection of thoughts and ideas and values and meaning and purpose, but how to reconstruct everything in my life so it is more soothing and fitting. But it was also at the same time, the context in which I did it and was very revolutionary because it was done within the context of relationships. It wasn't really done isolated. It was done within the context of people who gave me the compassion the patience and the love that I needed to be able to move forward in this theological development.
2: You know, that's interesting because I went back to school and got a Ph.D. and uh, being around a community, or or worked on a Ph.D., being around in a community of scholars, and uh, that was soothing and uh, comforting in a lot of, a lot of different ways. So, so you went through the theology track, but I'm thinking, are you thinking, Heidi, that there are other ways to go, maybe uh, education or, you know, other ways to um, look at the dimensions of the world? Mm-hmm. Heidi, have you got any thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. I've never really thought about that before. I mean, I was definitely not in the pl- I didn't. That's not how I coped after the death of Scott. I actually dropped out of school.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, and I had to
1: get, I had to remove myself from from school and religion, to be honest with you. So, and kind of find my way in a very different way. And so, I, think, I guess there's many different things that we do after loss.
0: Right, Heidi, and I would like to kind of tap into what you and Gloria are saying because. This is actually my story, but there are so many different ways in which, in which people will go. Some people may do the very opposite. They may have maybe an inclusive spirituality and then find themselves wanting to become more conservative. And then you have some who may be, uh, 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 either atheistic or agnostic and find that some interest in something that leads them in a different path or vice versa because in my mind, Spirituality does not mean that you have to actually have a theistic model. I believe that all people are sacred, and so whatever path happens, it happens. But I think it's important what both of you are saying, and what I'd like to say is that everybody's path could be very different, and there can be very different resources that will help along the way.
2: Well, I like the idea of finding something soothing and fulfilling. And Heidi going out and, and working and meeting a whole community, you moved to California, right?
1: Absolutely, and you know, and now I'm a very spiritual person, but I've gotta tell you initially I was so angry at God and I just wanted to blame somebody. Mm-hmm. And who better than God at that point? It was just an easy target. So I had to get kind of work through the anger. And like you said, I loved how, Kevin, you said it was legitimate. I had to work through the anger before I could embrace my spiritual, spirituality again.
0: Yeah. And so, And yeah. what,
2: what if I've got this question, how could God let my child die?
0: Well, oftentimes people like to answer that very quickly, and I think what I would do is not answer that because I don't have the answers to that. But at another point in time when I think it may be of therapeutic value, what I would do with someone as they're ongoing with their struggles is, number one, allow them to really express their struggles, their confusion, their helplessness. At some later point, if I felt it was therapeutic, I would begin to kind of ask them which direction would they want to go and how can I help them. Some may say, Kevin, I want to be able to really maintain the faith that I had Others may say, Kevin, this faith doesn't work for me anymore. Can you support me as I go what I call theological shopping?
2: Oh, I like that, theological
0: shopping. And either either way. And then once a person is actually investigating their own theological model, I would say kind of what I ask people uh, on an ordinary basis, and that is, which God are you talking about? Because when we just talk about God, we're making a lot of assumptions about a particular model of God, and there are lots of models of God at this point.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I was reading a book uh, the other day. Uh, oh, I can't, uh, oh, it's, uh, oh, well, I, it, anyway. Uh, her mother told her that God was, uh, her mother, she asked her mother what color God was, and uh, her mother said, God is the color of water. Mm. Hmm. which That's I thought was pretty. a lovely That's a
1: nice metaphor. Yeah. 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 And and I love the idea of the, theological shopping because I think oftentimes people feel like, you know, the religion you're born into is the one that you must stay in forever even if it no longer fits eventually
0: right right and that's a and that's a there's a degree of pressure i think in our nation in our society for that but you don't even have to really go through something tragic to find yourself making some modifications in your in your theology because there's books like fowler where it talks about the stages of development of faith development and uh, the five stages of the soul by moody there's these ideas that people even if you just develop and just grow in age you'll find yourself asking these questions.
2: You know, Kevin, I'm hoping that you're going to write an article for the Open to Hope Foundation because I'd love to have you put those authors in an article for us and give people an idea of how they can explore their faith. You know, one of the things that when I was in private practice, sometimes there were people who would come in that were very confused Mm -hmm. and that were, you know, really disconnected from from who they had been earlier on. And sometimes I would suggest to them that they might want to look at the faith of their childhood.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: And for certain people that's helpful because they, you know, have left that long ago and it's a comfort to come back to it.
0: Exactly. And and that's also even more profound when you think about culture. There are different cultures where that would even be even more pronounced and more soothing, yes.
2: hmm and I was telling you we did a show with Reverend Ritter, and I wish I had the data, but it's a wonderful show. And if you're interested in um, theology, I'd suggest that you find that show on thegriefblog.com, because he made the comment to me. I said to him, "You know, when my son died, I did not find uh, my theology helpful at all. You know, the the and he, I said, but you know what? The people were fabulous. The people in the community were so great to us." And he said, "Oh, Gloria, that is the church. That is religion. It's the yeah.
0: people." And that's and that's what it, it sounds to me again. What I may have said earlier, and that is that there's so much healing, not just in looking and reflecting on theology and discovering new meaning and purpose, but it's doing so within the context of relationships. And that's so profound to me.
2: Absolutely. So reach out, and we're always saying that to people: find a group, find something, find find people that you can help. Mm-hmm. And and uh, as Kevin has said. Uh, be willing to explore, explore ideas, and and uh, find the resilience to cope like Kevin has. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Mm-hmm. It's been thank great. You
1: and and so
0: do you
2: have any parting thing that you'd like to say to our audience?
0: No, um, no. I just uh, really just thank everybody for their time. And uh, it's not an easy road sometimes. This this whole shift and change when you go through loss. But I I hope that I served as a testimony that 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 we can survive.
2: Great. Thank you, Kevin,
0: Thanks, for being Kevin. On the show. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.